0: OutdoorEdge.com.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Shark. And this week, we are going to be speaking with Troy Dietrich. Troy Dietrich is, first of all, a really, really cool guy. Um, we have a great conversation. We talk about some personal life stuff, and we talk about some deer hunting stuff, and it's just an all-around great conversation with Troy. But Troy had a fantastic season. He had a lot of big changes happen this past year. Uh, he purchased a his, his new home that has some land on it. And of course, uh the first thing on Troy's mind, like any of us, is going to be how are we going to hunt this property and he tells a pretty cool story about having one i believe one encounter with a buck that he he saw in the summer and ended up connecting with in the fall and it is a fantastic white tail, uh one of those things that. It's a whitetail we dream about, and you know he had a a fantastic hunt and and breaks down that story and kind of breaks down his hunting strategy on this new property and how that's how he's learning to adapt and hunt this property and do things in an efficient way because it's a little bit different than his public land hunting that he's been doing the past few years. Even though you know he shares with us that that is still in his blood, and I can really relate to Troy because I do a mixture of both myself. I hunt private land I love you know food plots habitat manipulation hunting strategy I love doing all that but there's also something about being in large monotonous woodland and trying to figure out points and vegetation types and just getting away from pressure that, that's just a, a different element I, I find that you know I've said that time and time again the the, the north woods that I hunt it's uh, it's pulling me in closer and closer every year uh you know the, the time factor is what gets me but I, I really really enjoy the time that i do get to spend hunting at camp and, and things like that um you know uh it's a it's a great conversation that i i don't think anybody everybody can relate to because not only does he have a great hunt at home on his property that uh he's, he did some work to and and had a really cool strategy and how he found this buck and went in to kill him He turned around and went out to Ohio a few uh, few days later And <clears throat> connected his, his first time in the tree on a really nice buck in, uh, in the Ohio woods public land uh, Talks about the scouting he did leading up to that hunt uh, in the years past And uh, just how blessed he was So, you know, here we are in mid-January Uh, As this episode drops, tomorrow is the last day of statewide muzzleloader season, and man, I I, I can't lie, like, this is always a little bit of a depressing time for me, just because I love to hunt right up until the end. I know there's a lot of guys out there that when uh, archery season closes or when rifle season closes uh, or when the new year happens, like there's a, there's a cutoff date where people, you know, a lot of guys will just be like, eh, it's over time for getting ready for next year. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that are already out finding some sheds and doing some scouting and trying to prepare for next year. And like, I love that stuff too. But at the same time, like deer season is open. I still have some tags. I, I just want to, I just want to be out there and I just want to hunt I just want to hunt that's all there is to it and uh, hoping to connect with something on my with my muzzle loader this final weekend uh, is gonna be a hunt at camp we got a group of guys I think it's 10 12 14 I don't know how many people are going but just another camp camaraderie hunt making some little pushes here and there we're supposed to be getting some snow hopefully that means it makes it a little bit easier to, to find a couple pockets where deer are at and uh, just have a good time with guys and uh you know i could tell though that it's preparation season i've been starting to get a lot of messages about uh, food plots and how should guys approach uh, this uh, area on their property for planting a food plot how should they go about it what should they plant and and i could tell it's good now i'm glad you guys are thinking about that because preparing for that stuff now makes it go a whole lot easier and a whole lot smoother uh, than waiting to the last minute and, uh, you know, I, for those of you who listen to this and don't know, uh, for a living, I'm, uh, I'm an agronomist. I, I work with row crops and farmers. So, you know, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to soils and planting and stuff, I have a pretty good handle on, on how to approach that and getting good seed to soil contact and getting stuff to grow. And uh, you know, I've been I've been fortunate that I've had a pretty good exposure around food plots for for a long time and try to help. So you know, if you guys are new to food plots or you just have questions or want to try something different, you know, feel free to reach out to me, and I'll try to help you the best I can. You know, or you can you can reach out to me on Instagram. At Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast, you can do the same on Facebook, and then our email is uh, pawoodsmanpodcast at gmail.com. You know, those are great ways to get a hold of me, and I, I'd be, I'd be, I would love to help you and try to work through some of that stuff with you. Um, one more quick thing, uh, the other thing that I I always find funny is the minute that deer season closes for a lot of people, turkey season becomes the first thing on their mind a lot of time and I I used to be like that but <clears throat> you know the, the, as time goes by and life gets more chaotic uh, deer hunting has definitely been my m- thing I'm most passionate about and I typically don't really start thinking about turkeys and turkey hunting until it's really really close to the spring season and it's a short window for me when I'm may, you know, maybe a little bit fired up about chasing turkeys but I had one of the coolest experiences in the turkey woods or uh, in the woods gen- in general, this week while I was working. So a real quick story. It was one of those things that I just have to share because you don't get to experience something like this that often. I was pulling soil tests in a field for a farmer that I work with, and as I was finishing up this sample, I was in the corner of a, a very large field, and when I looked in the uh, in the far corner, I saw uh, I saw a black object, and I'm like, that looks like a gobbler strutting and sure enough I saw him kind of move his fan and twist and yep that's a gobbler I'm like man I'm I'm pretty close to him I was only about 50 60 yards he let me drive my uh my side by side that close to him and didn't move (coughs) excuse me and uh I I just start watching him and I look and I saw another gobbler come out of the timber and Start to square up. I was like, oh man, there's going to be a fight. This is going to be really, really cool to watch. And they started going at it and flopping each other, which I've seen Tom's fight before. And it's a, it's a cool sight. But then they, started, uh, then they started pecking at each other, and I saw them grabbing each other with their beaks and holding on and twisting. And I was like, man, I never saw that intense of fighting. I was like, they're so fixated. I wonder if I can get closer. So I drove my side-by-side up to them within 20 yards. Didn't have a care in the world. We're so fixated on fighting that that didn't matter. I thought, I wonder if I can get closer. So I got out, and uh, I, I watched... I, I kept walking and watching these birds and kept getting closer and closer and closer. At one point, they kind of saw me and like the one split off. It took like two or three steps away, but the other one was so fixated, they started going right back at it. And at first, I was like sneaking and, and I I filmed it the whole time with my phone, but I got right up at the end. I just decided they're they're not going to run away from me. I walked three feet away from these gobblers that were just fighting to the death. It was absolutely crazy, and they weren't making too much noise because they were so fixated, but you hear some fighting purrs, and, you know, they're flopping each other with their wings every now and then, but the, their, their heads were so beat up from them pecking and biting and, and everything else, and it's just a crazy video, and if you want to see some of that, I posted some of that on my Instagram as a reel. And, uh, it's a, it's a longer reel. It's like a three minute video. Uh, but going towards the end of that video is when I'm right up close and personal with them. And it's, it's just a really, really cool, cool thing. I, I often wondered like, uh, you know, at the end they split up and kind of ran away. Um, not necessarily running away from me as much as one was running away from me and the other one was chasing after, uh, trying to keep fighting. I often wondered, uh, if, if, if i wouldn't have intervened in any way shape or form would they have just fought to the death um, i don't know maybe somebody who knows more about turkeys uh, can answer that question but <laughs> really crazy crazy thing they see in the woods so hopefully you're able to get out and see some cool stuff in the woods get out and enjoy creation there's still hunting and trapping to be done um, i know i am going to uh milk every ounce of hunting out of me that i can the final weekend of the extended season i've got a plan to go out and hopefully knock a doe or two down in uh, my spot that i have in the extended portion of the state which would be i believe it's january 27th or january 28th so it's it's right at the end um but uh we'll uh, we'll ride it out to the end and uh you know I'm, I'm hoping to uh get out and do some hiking and some scouting and and uh start to start the stuff for next year you know there's uh, there's always work to be done on private land and I, i've i've got some things i'd like to check out for next year on uh, on public land and, and some goals that I'd, i've set for myself i've got cameras to pull cameras to check that have been soaking so uh still still plenty to do to keep you occupied um it's uh still I just can't believe we wait for it so long and then it just like that boom it's uh, it's over but uh, hey on that happy note I hope you guys have a great week and thanks for tuning into this episode with Troy Dietrich All right, we're rolling here with Troy Dietrich. Um, it is Dietrich, right? You don't you don't pronounce it any other special way, do you, Troy? Yeah, you actually
0: pronounce it exactly right. Yeah.
1: I, I went to school with a couple Dietrichs, but like I, uh, you you spell it with with two T's and how do you
0: yeah, spell it? Or yeah, T or yeah. yeah
1: it's a it's a little a uh, little shorter or a little longer than some of the people that I went to school with and the way they spelled it but Troy um thanks for coming on man I was I was looking forward to this chance to, to chat with you because uh number one we're, we don't live too far away we're in a similar neck of the woods here but uh yeah. just chatting about your hunting season man you had a heck of a season
0: yeah yeah it sure was uh I don't know if I'll ever have another season quite like this one.
1: <laughs> so, Troy, for those listening to this uh, to this episode here, just introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about where you're from and uh, what your passion is.
0: Yep, yeah, I'm. Uh, my name's Troy Dietrich. I'm hail from outside of, where uh, I should say, Southeast Pennsylvania, um, and uh, my passion is bow hunting. Really, um, all kinds of bow hunting, mostly whitetail. And, um, mostly hunt here in Pennsylvania, uh, we we're able to pick up a private piece this year. Uh, me and my family moved to it, a nice chunk that we, that we hunt, but I also, uh, spend a lot of time, um, hitting the mountains and hunting some public land as well. But, um, you know, just obsessed with tail hunting like the rest of us.
1: Yeah. Like the rest of us. And I'm kind of curious, like, where does it stem from for you? Cause I mean, everybody's got like some kind of beginning story that they were introduced to it, but I mean, what, what lit the flame for you
0: yeah um it's kind of a maybe a different story but just just like probably like you i think i've heard your story before and, and like most pa guys my my grandparents my grandfather hunted my dad hunted so we always grew up haunting 12 12 years old 12 year old was that um coveted year that you just could not wait to turn 12 to go out hunting you know nowadays you can take your kids out hunting younger and stuff like that which is pretty cool but for us it was like chomping at the bit until you turn 12 so you can go um uh hunting so that's how it was for me I, I i enjoyed it a lot but um through my i don't know through my like high school years and and um even outside of high school i, I hunted but i wasn't i didn't take it very seriously um it wasn't really until i like um i kind of re- related to around the time where i really started taking my faith seriously honestly um i got saved in 2023 or uh 23 uh 2013 and um at that point it was like i wasn't out out raging all night long anymore and uh, i could spend more time waking up early and getting into woods and that was like when my obsession with hunting just kind of took off so
1: so the um, the passion for for hunting and bow hunting definitely stand from family and it was probably a combination it was in your blood and yeah. uh some of it was was social pressures but um you know, for, for those listening who know what Troy and I are talking about, and that, um, and if you don't mind, I I wouldn't mind touching a little bit about that because that's near and dear to me. But uh, sure. what what it means to be to be saved and yeah. uh, that connection that you have afterwards in the woods—it's different than when you're just in pursuit of game.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. For me, I mean, just to give you a quick, just a quick story. My my life just consisted of um, just just women and partying pretty much. And that's just what I ran after the hardest from, I mean, at a very young age, you know, 15, 14 years old when I started doing that stuff. Um, and yeah, anyway, I, I kind of grew up <clears throat> knowing what, what, uh, who God was and who Jesus was, but I didn't really know him, know him. If you would ask me then, I would have said that, you know, I'm a Christian, but what I really was and I was living a very selfish life only for myself really. And, um, Somewhere in my young 20s, I it just kind of hit me that I was, there was something more, you know, I needed something more and it wasn't, it wasn't being my, um, it wasn't being fulfilled by staying up and getting drunk all night long and chasing women. It was, um, there was something, there was something more than that. So, through um, a series of events, uh, in fact, I was actually chasing a girl when it led me, she led me to church. So, it was kind of funny how that worked to uh, my advantage, but. I ended up getting um, hooked up with a local church and really took my relationship with Jesus seriously. Um, once I, you know, confessed my life to him and said, I can't live this life on my own anymore. And I'm uh, I'm surrendering to you. You know, I'm here to live for you. My life changed uh, greatly for the better. Um, but getting back to what you were saying about the connection in the woods. Yeah, I mean, with a sober mind, I mean... A lot of things are a lot better with a sober mind, but even being in in nature, um, it's just it's like next level when you're out there in God's creation, just uh, looking at everything that He put together for us, you know.
1: I, I, Troy, I really appreciate you sharing that with everybody on this because um, <clears> that's <throat> not always an easy thing to talk about with in front of people. And uh, you know, I've, I've I've shared my faith, and I've I've shared that that's over. Over this podcast, I've shared it in person and in, in, in situations with people one on one. And uh, it's, it's a it's a big thing. And it, it's something that while you can describe it and you could probably talk podcast after podcast an hour and after hour about the love that we have from from our savior. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one of those things that you still don't quite understand it until you feel it yeah and when when you truly accept it's it's so hard to explain but like uh i, I just wish that on everybody but man we're uh you, you touched on something in your in your uh your message there and you were talking about you were living your life being uh selfish on your own yeah. and while i uh while i accepted christ and 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 trying to do everything to uh steer from my selfish ways uh, we were kind of talking about it before we, we hopped on we're on the show here you know it's so easy to get wrapped up in selfishness in the yeah. woods it's it's so funny how you can like have such an appre- appreciation of creation and be in the woods be connected to God in a, in a time of peace and yet let that time also cloud your judgment and be selfish when you're in pursuit of you know, what I, what I typically do and that's pursuit of a mature buck or just, just my time. I I mean, just, just the pursuit of taking my time away from, uh, I guess, reality in in my day-to-day life and just being in the woods in that, that pursuit and chase, like there, there's a fine line there too. And, and I know, you know, I struggle with it and I, you talk, you talked about how, how you struggle with it too. Like it's, It's, I don't, I'm not really making a point here. It's just like, it's a real struggle.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always a, it's always a tough ba- uh, balance. And, uh, I would say that if you, um, ask my wife, she'd probably tell you I don't get it right more than half of the time. So, yeah. Mine
1: you know. too. I, maybe we should <laughs> introduce them sometimes. They could start a support group. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah along with everyone else's wives yeah. yeah
1: exactly maybe that maybe that's what we're missing we talk about hunting but we're really <laughs> not doing everything we can to start the the our, our wife support groups maybe that would be the the connection they need to no, right. no i'm st- I'm talking selfish now We're just trying to figure out ways we can get in the woods more oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> but now shifting gears man um you uh you moved into a uh, new piece of property this year uh had a fantastic hunting season in Pennsylvania and then uh I know you uh you ventured out to uh Ohio and and had a heck of a hunt out there man so first of all congratulations
0: thanks yeah yeah
1: appreciate it (laughs) you uh <clears throat> so, so the new property I, i'm like when it comes to like private land hunting like everybody has their niche and yep. you know some people are 100 public land and you, you shoot this deer on public land that's the only thing that matters if you shot it on private nobody cares and, right. and, then, and then like I, I come from the other end where i know um private land hunting is different it's a different playing field but at the same time. Uh, there's there's different variables and, and goals you can set on private land because you have the ability to manage a couple of other yeah. um, exterior influences a little bit differently, and, and maybe the bar sets a little bit higher, but the challenge is still just the same. It's just a, a different playing field. I don't know if that makes sense, but, I mean, yeah. like, what were your uh, – g- going into this season uh, – let, let, let no, let's back up for just a second. So we're talking about going into the season. Were you used to hunting private land before this new piece of – of property or like where, where did your passion yeah. lie before that?
0: Yeah. Um, a little bit, but not really this, uh, caliper. Um, I grew up hunting, uh, I would actually say all, all private land, but it was always, um, you very suburban type situations. You know, if someone had 20 acres behind their house, that was, that was decent and stuff like that. Like, so where I grew up, uh, up the road from my house, uh, um, uh, there was a church property i could hunt and then a, a neighboring property i could hunt it was fairly decent hunting uh growing up i killed a few deer there but um quite a few deer there but nothing ever of substantial you know they just that neck of the woods just never held. i don't want to say never but rarely rarely held good deer and that was only you know five five miles from here where i, where I live now but um that's kind of how it is in these suburban areas though um So anyway, I, I grew up hunting private. Uh, we have a place in Bradford County, but it's, um, it's 18 acres. So it's not, you know, it's not like it's a huge part parcel. Mm -hmm. Uh, but about, I want to say probably about like seven or eight years ago or so I started, um, almost hunting, um, at least 75% of my hunting was public land. So the last like Five to seven years I've been hunting almost strictly public land. I would almost never hunt any of those parcels that I had permission growing up and stuff like that. Um, mostly because the deer hunting was much better on public land. And, um, so that's kind of what I've been cutting my teeth on the last five years or so. Um, buying this property was always kind of a, uh, uh, underlying dream of ours, um, to own property, but I'd never, um, I never thought I would actually own a property. I have 50 acres here, so I never thought I would own a property that big. Um, it just, um, it all worked out this year and it just somehow, you know, I don't want to say God teed it up for us, but he did. I mean, we really are ex- extremely blessed to be be able to um, purchase this place this year and, and make it work. Um, so getting back to that, you know, once I got this place here, it was undoubtedly that I was going <laughs> to hunt this hard. Well, um, it was kind of funny because even this year, um, before I shot my buck, I probably hunted, um, public 50% of the time still, because I have some places that I'm pretty invested in where, you know, there's good gear on and, um, and there's just something, something a little bit different and, uh, adventurous to going literally two three four miles into a a big public land piece and and trying to kill a a mature whitetail you know Mm -hmm. um but as you were kind of hinting on before um owning a property it's just because there's slightly less pressure doesn't mean that there is um not a lot of neighboring pressure and that there's a lot of um work and strategy that still goes into it like i put very light pressure on my property this year i did i i tried to hunt it extremely wisely and um and i you know put some put a lot of time and effort into um managing the property this mm-hmm. summer as well putting food plots water holes hanging stands i mean you name it you know yeah you
1: know. yeah there they're they're two different passions i mean but at the end of the day it's all work it's all preparation for the season Mm -hmm. and uh like i saw i saw something on social media today a guy posted something would you rather shoot 150 inch buck in suburbia or 120 inch buck in the mountains and i'm like i don't think the the inches is what i'm going after at this point Mm -hmm. i think what Mm -hmm. i'm going after is which 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 of those deer do I have uh, a greater story leading up to? Which have I put more work into going into that? Have I, have I run, uh, three four years of experience following this deer in suburbia and i can only catch him during this part of the season and it just so happened that i was able to connect with him this season because all these things fell together um Mm -hmm. what if uh what what if you want to compare that to saying i shot a 120 inch buck on public land during a deer drive with my family is that the same thing and um I have no problem with any of them, and I'd shoot either right. one in any situation. It's just my point. Like that pursuit and the chase to get you there, like, um, yeah. that's what's important. It's not a matter of did you shoot it on private, did you shoot it on public? Because, I mean, I know, uh, talking with you before, like, you put a lot of work in regardless mm-hmm. if it's your private or your public.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 No, no doubt. I mean, it wasn't like I, um, um, yeah, I mean, as I stated before, I put a ton, ton of work in, and um, and really fine found uh, way more enjoyment doing that than I, uh, than I, not that I thought I would have, but man, it's a, uh, that's like a, a passion in it is like managing manning managing the land here. I mean, it's it's just like
1: and, and it's only going to grow, take it from my experience. Like it only yeah. gets you you only think of cook ideas up more. Like you're going to be sitting in your stand throughout hunting seasons and you're going to be looking at your property and you're going to be yeah. going, you know, this really needs to be done this way. I need to yeah. have this part of my property void of invasives and create a nice corridor or this area is too Open. It's too park-like. I need to adjust. Like you're gonna do Mm -hmm. that as long as you have that property. The work is never gonna be done. You're always gonna be fine-tuning this and thinking that. And it's just it's a it's a labor of love. But I mean, we're kind of we're kind of flirting around that a little bit. I I want you to kind of dive into this. So when you got this property and you stepped on this property, like how did your mind switch? Um, or, or, or what were some of the first things you were looking at doing to say, this is how I got to do this to make this property hunt for me or uh, figure out the neighboring deer? Like what, what was the start to finish process for you since you own?
0: Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, it was, um. I I was able to do a lot, a lot more this year than I would have imagined I was going to be able to do. I kind of um, thought it'd be nice to eventually someday put some food plots in, you know, but I actually was able to, to figure that out this year and put some food plots in. Um, As for the timber, it's about 50, 50 timber and ag uh, and um, most of the timber is in an easement. So I actually cannot cut anything in the, in the timber, um, which is like, it pains me a little bit, but it's got beautiful surroundings around it where it's still very honorable. But I would like to do some TSI and stuff, but I really can't because um I can only really cut trees that are dead and stuff like that. The previous owner sold it off to a to a land, you know, basically a land trust. Uh, mm. uh what do you call it? Conservation easement. So um uh, other reasons why we were able to afford the property too though. So, you know, you take the good with the bad. But, um, this year, I mean, really the first time I walked around it, I just knew it was uh, absolute. just, <clears throat> I almost couldn't even, um, draw up a property that's much better. Um, honestly, it's, I know it's, people are probably just like, oh, this guy's just has all the luck. Right. But, <laughs> but seriously, it's just, it's just, I, I was blown away by it and just thought if I could if I could manage to get this place, this is going to be some outstanding hunting. But, um. Other than that, I don't know, just, just, just thinking about stand locations and stuff like that. But it really wasn't until like the summer, um, when I was running trail cameras and stuff like that, just trying to figure out deer movement and living here and, and seeing the deer movement too, to where I was able to put a little bit better plan and, and see where they're bedding and, and stuff like that. But, um, a friend of mine is a, a farmer, so he's farming my land for me, but we worked out a deal where he's, um, I'm giving him free rent he's planting his crops, um, For for nothing. And then then he's planting my food plots and spraying them as well. So I'm buying the seed, but he's putting the, um, he's tilling it in with his equipment, spraying it and stuff like that. But um, I have about 16 acres of tillable and I have um, maybe four ish acres of food plot. So it's not, you know, All of, you know, I'm not playing these big fields and food plots, but I'm just putting these little corner food plots in and stuff like that. So, so that's why I was able to do that. Now I'm not getting any income off of the rent, but, or off of the, um, the farmer, but it's not very high around here to begin with so it was an easy, it was easy for me to kind of wash that out
1: yeah it's a uh, really really unique setup there and, and I think a lot of people that own property would have the ability to do something very similar it's just a matter of what are your goals with the property and you know your goals are for the property are to have it for hunting and I think that's an awesome opportunity and food you know food is so important set it up I'm kind of curious when you had said uh, when you got the property you said um, I, I don't think I could have drew it up any better like it, mm-hmm. it just lays out perfect so um, when you say that statement I want to dig a little deeper into that what about it specifically did it was it just the way the topography laid or like like what really keyed you in that you were like this is what makes this property so good for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, besides just the location, it's, um, it's a big chunk of land in a, in an area where it's fairly residential living. Um, so obviously the deer will congregate here a little bit more, but the, but back to the, um, actual physical land. Um, yeah, it's got, um, it's got a Creek running through either side of it. Um, so there's two creeks that run, run on the, um, (laughs) edges of the property and um one's a one's a fairly nice size creek and the other one is more of a stream um so that's awesome it's got a big big valley a huge valley that goes down into the creek so it's a lot of it's like a that's almost like park-like atmosphere um it's it's extremely beautiful but the deer do use it as well but it's a big flat open hardwood valley and then um and then there's about there's three or four main fields and they're separated Most of them are separated by like very nice hedgerows. So, like, so you have these hedgerows that these deer can run down and feel a little bit secure and then go to these different food plots or or just the aglets out in the field now. And then, um, and then just some thick bedding on either side of the property as well. So, um, just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's gorgeous.
1: That's really cool. And so then you, you get into summer scouting, um, seeing cameras did, as you were doing your scouting, you know, I'm sure you walked the property in the off season, you had ideas and uh, and thoughts in your head and then run, run cameras and start to confirm or deny those uh, predetermined thoughts that you have. Uh, Were the deer kind of doing what you thought were they doing things a little bit differently? Uh, And and what was your, what was your inventory? Like, were you surprised in the, the first couple of card pulls throughout the summer? Or, you know, what did that look like for you?
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I think the deer were using the property, um, pretty well, like I thought they would. Um, and, um, let's see, trying to think of anything really stands out differently. I mean, I manipulated a lot of it, not, not a lot of it, but I put the food plots in, um, before it was just row crops. So like after they took the weed off, it's just barren, you know, but now they have my crops to feed on after they took the weed off and, um, i added um i added a food plot in this real brushy area it's like a not even a quarter acre food plot but i hollowed that out and they started using that like crazy um pretty much just fi- figuring out um, the bedding more was helpful for me um and um staying out of the bedding areas too um it was tempting to kind of it's still such a new property to me so it's very tempting to just like want to like know every nook and cranny of it but also in the same token it was like I don't really need to go in this extremely thick bedding because i, I know what's in there it's just falling over trees and prior, prior patches and all kinds of stuff so let's leave that to the deer and you know sure enough that was an excellent bedding area um and then as for the um the card pools yeah yeah i was i was i was very pleased with what i found um one of the first card pools, there was, there was, um, I think it was like seven or eight two plus year old deer, uh, buck on it in like, in the summertime, just like, whoa, it's just, you know, there's a whole like herd of, of the quote unquote mature buck. I mean, if you call it two-year-old mature buck or not, but, um, so that was pretty awesome. And then, um, yeah, throughout the summer, just seeing them, you know, they're, I, I held some deer, but a lot a lot disappeared as well so i'd say maybe 50 percent of the ones that i saw during the summer kind of stuck around that i saw throughout the season but um but yeah i was definitely pleased um, like i said better 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 quality deer than where i grew up which wasn't far from here um but maybe not as not as as heavy and as big of deer as that I hunt in the mountains and in these big parcels, clear cuts and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So
1: So the, the one you ended up wrapping your tag around, was that a deer that you had pictures of in the summertime or was he somebody that filtered in into archery season?
0: Yeah, uh, probably a little bit of both. Um, So I ran about eight trail cameras on my property this summer all all year long and um, I never had him on camera. I did see him at the end of July, in broad daylight walking across my field um we're literally out out back <clears throat> eating dinner with the family and um and that's another thing i want to touch on too is that um we use our property for recreating too you know it's it's not i'm not like um we call it dance or just or whatever just like you know just purely white tail you know that's we use it during the summer. we cut off recreating on it you know uh maybe a maybe a month before season started yeah, or right. something like that but other than that i mean we were ripping it side by side or a, a four-wheeler or whatever around it almost daily you know what i'm saying we were bombing mm-hmm. through defending areas but but um they i think they kind of got used to that a little bit but anyway the buck that i ended up killing i saw him in july uh walking across my field and uh just just jaw dropping just it was, it, was, it was easily the biggest buck that i've seen um in, in with with my own eyes on public land i mean um not you know not in a deer farm or something like that um so i couldn't believe it but i never had him on camera and i was expecting that okay now he showed up i'll probably get him on camera he avoided all of my cameras i I don't know if he didn't live here i don't know if he's just good at avoiding the cameras or what his deal was but um even the first day i saw him i was like don't get hung up on, on this deer. Cause I've done that before and that almost can ruin a season when you do stuff like that. Um, first year into this property, it's awesome that that big one's around, but also, um, my main objective was to kill a three plus year old. Doesn't really matter what size the rack is just wanted to kill a three, three or four year old deer. Um, so, that, so I told myself just stick to that. So I did. And, um, and, um, Long story short, he showed up on my camera um, end of September one time in the middle of the night, and um, so it was like, okay, he's around, he's doing his rounds, but does he live here? Doesn't he? You know. um, So that was cool, but again, I I told myself I'm not going to get hung up on that. And um, and then uh, three days before I, no, two days before I killed him, he showed up on on my camera, Um, but I didn't know it was him because I have some cell cameras. And I could just tell you it was a good buck, but I didn't really have like a good glimpse of his, of his rack. Um, and then, and then um, I ended up killing him a couple of days later. Even when I shot him, I didn't know that it was this, this giant that I saw in the summertime until I walked up to him. So it was a, it was a crazy surprise and uh, just a super cool experience because um, how elusive he was. I did end up pulling the rest of my cards then like way later in a year. And uh, found that he was on a few more of my cameras, but very, very little, you know, just here and there during October, like once mid-October. And in um, that same time frame that he was on my cell cameras, he like hit all my cameras. Like he must have just been like with circling Circle on my property.
1: So do you kind of... Did that kind of lead you to believe that the deer was not necessarily homebody to your area, but mostly just kind of cruising through? Was it was this kind of like a transition in the pre-rut towards the rut when he would have been uh, checking out doe groups on your property and just kind of hung around in that general area near a bedding area, or, or like tell tell me a little bit about. Uh, it sounds like a, a short amount of time transpired from that cell camera picture to when you you killed him. So kind of. Right ease in a little bit on what your strategy was and how, how did, did you have a stand place for this? Do you like, you know, let yeah. key us in on some of those things that led you to this success.
0: Yeah. It's hard to even try to make that con- conclusion. I like to think
1: that he was
0: all living on me and just being elusive, but he could have been, I mean, he could give you one of these backyard bucks, you know, that rarely leaves a, you know, a five acre backyard somewhere, you know, but, um, but i have some of the only food around and stuff so i find it hard to believe that he wasn't coming to my my food and eating and stuff like that um so yeah i, I still don't know i, I wish I, I wish i could conclude that better but i don't know if i just got real lucky or or the area that i killed him the area that i killed him i have never hunted before um and that's and that's where i killed him so i almost am led to believe that he might kind of bed there it was a very um It was a very, um, how do I put it? Unpredictable spot that you would, that you would want to hunt slash kill. Um, but anyway, leading up to that, um, so I got that cell cam picture of them on a Thursday, Thursday, um, sometime between five and eight o'clock or something like that. And I was, I took off Friday to go up hunting up North where I'd go. It's about an hour or two from my house. Um, so I, I. I get up at the crack. I mean, they get up at two o'clock in the morning, drive up there and then go three miles in hunting and stuff like that. And, um, I rarely go up hunting, uh, up there with anyone. I, except, uh, like Aaron, Aaron Hepler, my mm-hmm. buddy up there. I, I hunt with him a lot up there. But other than that, there's pretty much only like one or two guys that, that go with me to these, to these spots. Um, I asked my buddy from church. He's a pastor at my church. Actually, he has off every Friday because he's, you know, worked for the church and, um, He's, he's into bow hunting, but he's not, he doesn't have the time or, or, you know, doesn't put in that time like we would. But, um, so I asked him to go and, um, he was all pumped. He was, he, was he wanted to go up with me. So long story short, Thursday night, I get a picture of that buck on my property, which I, I didn't know it was the one I killed, but I just knew it was a darn good deer. <laughs> so I knew he was chasing doe around literally on a hot doe that night. It was October 26th or something like that. So I was like this close to canceling with my buddy and being like, Hey, we're not, you know, why don't we just hunt my place tomorrow? Kind of a thing. But he was already sold on wanting to go up there. It's like, all right, let's not change plans. The truck was already packed. So left my property when he was on it, went up north, hunted there. Um, that Friday came home early afternoon, went to this like harvest fest thing with my family at, at my parents' church Friday night, Saturday. Friday night, I still didn't know where I was going to set up on Friday, on Saturday morning. It was a north wind, which is really rare for this um, area. Um, Not really rare, but it's it doesn't hunt very good for my property to be Mm -hmm. a north wind. So I had very limited spots. I do have maybe five or six presets up. um, And uh, one of them was um, one of them was very close to my house and I haven't even sat there yet. But it would have been a very quick easy setup so i was kind of thinking Man, that would have been a, a virgin set for this north wind and uh i think it would have been a good rut funnel um and then the other one was um at the tail end of my property and um where where i never hunted and that morning i woke up and i still didn't know where i was gonna sit and i'm like pretty pretty organized with that stuff like before i fall asleep the night before i have to like know exactly what i'm doing And I still didn't. So that morning, I was uh, when I was um, just doing my morning routine, my devo's and stuff. I was so tired from the night, the day before, woke up so early and stuff like that. And I was just kind of wrestling with where I was going to go. I I literally almost was like debating on do I even go out, just do I crawl back into my bed? I was like, dude, it's it's end of October, weather's perfect. Mm -hmm. Like I would have not, I would have never did that. But it was it was in the back of my mind, you know. But anyway, there was only a couple spots that set up good for a north wind. So um so this this spot that I ended up killing them um I kind of did a um uh, different style access to it for my property. I, I rode my pedal bike down my road and then cut into my property and then um and got into where I was it was
1: set up for him. Um so this was a pre-hung set, but you just took a different access to this stand.
0: No, not a pre young saddle. I don't even have any stands in this, in this okay. area.
1: So
0: I, I I would say more than 50% of the time, I'm just taking my saddle out. I'm just climbing the tree okay. the set, just mobile hunting, my my, my property. Um, I was going to set in the preset, um, behind my house because it was real quick and easy. It was kind of the easy way out. And, um, I was kind of running late. So I even got set up a little bit after like first light, you know, I'd like to film my stuff and whatnot. So it takes a while to get all set up. But, um, yeah. And then that morning it was, um, it was the 29th of, uh, October, just a sweet cold morning, very little wind speed. wind was perfect. I actually thought he was going to be running through this bedding. When I say he, I just mean a, a buck. I just thought the bucks were going to be running through this, um, bedding thicket that I was hunting the edge of. And, um, he actually came in the opposite way that I thought he was going to, but he was pushing dough. So he was on a, he was on a dough and a fawn. And, um, just you couldn't root it up any better it just came came right in front of me about 20 yards i drew back on him couldn't get a shot i ended up letting down and his doe kind of slipped into my strong side um of my saddle side of my tree. and um and then i waited for him to come out behind his tree that he was behind and he came out about 10 yards just stopped side, just just demolished hard shot him and just went 30 yards and died
1: man that's the kind of stuff you live for that's fantastic
0: It was insane. Yeah, I was.
1: So when did, when did the adrenaline dump happen? Was it, was it right then and there or was it after you realized which deer this was?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. I didn't even realize what deer it was because I saw, I saw it drop and, um, I knew it was dead, but I was like, it was such a beautiful morning. I didn't want to like rush anything. I just wanted to enjoy it. And I just sat in my stand, enjoyed it probably for another hour. And then, um. I went up and got my family because i knew the deer was dead um even while my way out i just classed in to make sure it was dead and i just you know i purposely did not look at the rack with my binoculars because i was like i'm gonna give you my family my my two and a half year old my newborn and my and my wife and let's do the blood trail here and um yeah so when i walked up on it it was like i mean i think my words were just no freaking way no freaking way just over and over again i was like there's no way i killed this buck um because obviously it was number one on the hit list but i almost wrote it off because i didn't want to get hung up on it um but anyway whatever it all happened pretty quickly so when it happens like that for me i don't even i don't even get the shakes and stuff like that Mm -hmm. uh i'll get the shakes and adrenaline going crazy if i see that deer coming in from far then it's like i can't even hardly stay still you know but for this it just plus with filming your hunts you have to like stay so like kinda of like triple focus on everything. You're just like going back and forth between everything. Funny story, I didn't get this on film because I double pressed the record button. Oh. so I had the I had the I, I had the whole hunt in well the whole hunt as in the, the shot time period. Uh all in frame the whole time. It's like I have uh I have a second angle camera that has me like you see my fingers zooming in and like focusing and everything else. And and it wasn't even on record.
1: So that makes me sick. But Yeah, I'm sure it does. Just one of the many reasons why I haven't pursued the whole filming your hunt. Oh,
0: man. I can't even tell you how many times I've, I've, I screwed up so many more times than I, than I have on film, but, but yeah, so I, I mean, after I shot it, I knew it was a a beautiful deer and I, and I saw that deer two days before in the morning, um, actually driving down the road and, um, I never saw him. I saw him in daylight with velvet and then I saw him on trail camera. Um, like once or, or twice before this time I shot him. So I knew what he looked like, but I didn't know like that much detail of him. Um, he's a humongous body deer and his rack's a little bit taller and a little bit higher and a little bit darker. So when I saw him uh, on Wednesday, the day before, so I got a cam picture on Thursday night, but I saw him Wednesday morning around nine or 10 o'clock driving down the road. And I was like, man, that, that's a beautiful deer. But again, I didn't know that it was this... I call it the drop time deer or moose nose. He's got a kind of a crazy nose to him. Um I didn't know it was him. But when I shot him that day, I knew it was the one I saw two days earlier when I was driving down the road. So I was like, that's him. I, I all right, that, that's not him. I was like that. I shot the." told my wife, I think I killed that one that we saw the other day from the car, you know, so. So yeah, that's that's
1: <laughs> fan, fantastic i mean you talk about uh you talk about icing to the cake on your first year pro- There there's there's definitely a, a a gratification when you do it on your own place regardless of how you do it because there's there's blood sweat and tears it's your home turf there, you you grow an attachment to that that's just kind of mm-hmm. hard to describe if you don't have it and do stuff with it yourself so uh congratulations on that um and uh I'm kind of curious was Ohio something spur of the moment because you filled your tag when you did, or did you have that planned out ahead of time?
0: Yeah, no, it was completely spur of the moment. Um, we just had a, we just had our second child going you know, five months, five months ago now. So I told myself I wasn't going to do any out of state hunting this year. I usually like to a, maybe a week out of state for the last couple, couple of years. And, um, so I told myself I wasn't going to do any, any out of state hunting this year and, um, I was able to, uh, convince my wife into letting me go for three days to Ohio. My buddies were already out there and I tipped them off to a spot that I hunted, um, the year before, but didn't have any luck, but it just looked good. I actually went, I went out for raw hunting in Ohio last year and, and got skunked and then went back in late season. I think it was early January this year and, um, and, It wasn't a very good hunt. It was like nine degrees and there's crunchy snow on the ground. So it was was pretty, Mm. pretty impossible to kill a deer with a bow out there in those conditions. Um, But I found some good areas. So I tipped them off to that. He went, they went back there. They were out there for a whole week. And uh, so I had a place to stay. So I kind of was able to be, I had vacation days left um, because I killed my PA buck in, in late October and I, and I deliberately save a ton of vacation days just so I can take off one two days a week pretty much through that whole like October and November mm-hmm. time frame so I had some vacation days to burn and and um you yeah, know I said can can you manage for 3 days let me go for 3 days yeah yeah that's fine yeah she she allowed me she's she's a good she's a good woman <laughs> but um <laughs> but anyway so I drove out there on um on Monday I bought my tag the night before well, on sunday I drove out there on monday um left my house at one o'clock in the morning got out there around like eight thirty or so i think i got set up in the stand at nine thirty, ten o'clock i just was going off a sheer memory of what i remembered from last last year when i was out there i was i didn't even i didn't even follow up with the e-scouting and stuff it was really quite shoot from the hip i knew the area i wanted to go to um so i scouted my way in and found found a, a the this this beautiful hollow with, a, with just a dirt dirt trail running through it. You can tell that's how they get from the two sides of this valley, um, in the timber, that is. And um, I set up there um, around, I think I got it fully set up around 9 or 10, and um, about 12 o'clock, I ended up killing that buck that day, <laughs> on Monday morning.
1: Well talk about quick and painless i'm sure your wife didn't uh didn't mind you being home a little bit earlier than that three-day uh window yeah, that you I had to,
0: yeah i was able to clean it all out and pack it out and um and uh stayed in that night and drove home the next morning
1: <laughs> yeah that's the way it's supposed to work a lot of us yeah. have a, lo- a lot of us have it in our minds that it's going to work that way and rarely does it does it transpire that way so was it this, this was the the second year that you hunted that general air in ohio
0: uh sort of so the, where i went out hunting in the rut was not this area i i didn't want to get back to that area but i went out for late season because i still had a tag in my pocket in ohio and um and found this other spot that i went to so um but yeah it was it's kind of funny because I, sometimes i feel like the more time and, and 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 like obsession i put into something like the more you get thrown out like i thrown off like i just stuck to what i knew i just knew this hollow looked awesome when i was back in there in the snow in january and there was tons of rut sign too um and this would have been um november 14th so it was a week later than i went out the year before during the rut mm-hmm. and uh, i think it was a little bit better action too for that part of the area at least
1: that's pretty cool so i'm um, when you did that late season hunt uh last January, I guess that was, you said, would Mm -hmm. that have been, um, you said you marked some, some rut sign and stuff that looked interesting. Was, was this all your typical, um, I'm going to call this like your old woodsman style of hunting where you're just putting boot leather down, uh, making notes and, you know, you might've been using your your smartphone and kind of logging stuff, uh, pins and stuff like that, but you're not doing any kind of trail cameras and, and Intel scouting of, of any sort on this public land, are you? yeah no not at all
0: um yeah so when i decided to go out there in late season last year um i scouted it quite a bit so i knew there, there was an old cut um i don't know maybe this was a mile in it wasn't that far in compared to what i do in pennsylvania but um uh anyhow yeah so there was an old cut down there and uh, i know well, i wanted to go see that um when i when i um <sighs> Stupid, but when I went out in late season last year, I drove all the way out there, put a decent amount of time into figuring out, but also was you know not nearly as much time as I put into like the rut hunt when I went out there. I pre-scouted in, in March for the rut hunt and stuff like that. But this spot I went went into blind, besides me scouting. But when I got there last year in um, in in uh, late season. I literally got out of my truck and started getting dressed and realized that I forgot my pack. So, my pack has my saddle, my um, platform, my sticks, my knife, mm. half of my warm weather gear. Like, it was like devastating. I was like, I just drove six hours and I don't have my pack. What I did have is my boots, some of my warm weather gear, and my bow. So, I'm like, right so i'm here what am i gonna do with this situation am i gonna am i gonna try boom because i don't have my saddle gear or am i gonna go try to try to figure this out for a couple days that's exactly what i did so i think with that in mind i was like more loose kind of thinking like it's gonna be a long shot if i kill something i almost was just scouting around with my bow in my hand and i was able to find um uh yeah good rut sign and and tons of rubs and, and get some visual on on when when I e scout something, it almost rarely looks like what it is when I show up there. So, it's know.
1: amazing. Like you talk with people, and everybody's got a different philosophy on e scouting. Um, I've done my fair share of it. I know people who, <clears throat> when they're when they're talking about it, and I think it's probably very geography based, right? Where you'll have guys that say, you know, I can look at these features and look at this topo map and and look at the aerial imagery and i can be 90 percent confident that this is the area that i want to be because they've got all these features and i suspect that there's going to be bedding at this spot and yada yada, yada. and <clears throat> there's people that are really good at that and then you get yeah. guys like me who <clears throat> i look at maps and i'm looking for where edges come together i'm looking for some of those features but yeah. a lot of the time it's boot leather and seeing if what i Perceive on the maps is anywhere close, and I'm gonna say maybe 50 percent of the time it yeah. mirrors what I expected, but 50 percent of the time it's not, and I have to adjust.
0: I completely agree with that, 100. Yeah, because um, most of most of the public land hunting I uh, hunt in Pennsylvania, it was the good spots were found mostly from scouting. Like I don't even look. At the, I don't even look at the map anymore because I've hunted it so much that like. Now I just, I just go to places that I haven't been before, like in that general area. Now I just walk to the places that I just want to learn, you know, but I barely even look at the map, you know. Um, now I looked at the map the first time before I went in there. And like you said, maybe 50% of it was accurate to what I believed it to be in my head, but, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely...
1: I, I struggle with that all the time. Cause I'm like, okay, am I missing something? You know, you, right. you, you listen to other really experienced deer hunters and you're talking about all these things, things and features. And I think, am I missing something or is there just that many differences in the areas that I'm hunting versus the areas that those hunters are hunting? Let's just, let's just, uh, just, let's just say the Midwest, let's just compare it somewhere from that Missouri on up through and up maybe Mm -hmm. even up into Michigan Wisconsin you know some of those places like is the the types of big woods hunting in Pennsylvania like yeah we've got those points and those features but it's so monotonous and it's uh the pressures are different like are, are there factors that are influencing it making it a little bit trickier than it's led to believe or am I just hearing things that make me think it sounds easier than it is at e scouting or am I just truly missing something. I'm just not that good at e scouting. I haven't figured that yeah, out yet.
0: Right, right. I don't know, man. I mean half of the good spots that we found you wouldn't see on the map anyway. Not even not even a topographical detail, but just just a um um what's the word I'm looking for I'm looking for a habit a habitat detail. You know, uh there's more uh thicket here than there is there and you don't see that on the map and You know oh that's funny there's there's like a scrape line here but you would never guess there'd be a scrape line there you know so i mean it really does come you you, you hear repeated everywhere but it really does come down to boots on the ground you know or or you can kind of do you know what you know let's say like hunting public guys do like i don't think they e-scout every time they go on a on out of state hunt i think that they're just briefly looking at the map and just putting boots on the ground and figuring it out, you know, for a couple of days.
1: And then, I, I find well. as much value in that. And then going back to the map as I do spending yeah. you know, tons. And I often wonder too, like you, you listen to people talk about um, looking at this and looking at that on the map. And one of the things that's really hard to relate to is a lot of the places that I hunt in Pennsylvania are solid Oak forests. Mm. So <clears throat> you get a good acorn crop. You've right got everywhere. a monotonous sea of food supply, and it's really, really hard to pinpoint, okay, is this going to be predicted travel? Because, I mean, there's there's places where it's thick cover, and, you, you know, it, it might not be – As predictable of a of a movement setup, you know there's so many factors like it. Um, You know I'm kind of curious. I wanted to ask you you, the the buck that you killed in Ohio. You said you you're hunting in relationship to a chop off, and you went to that area that had good rut sign the previous year, so that was still there obviously. So you know looking back on it, you know I know this was kind of a short hunt, but do you think that chop off is what, what played into making that area good? Was it the lack of pressure? Like was it just a, a was there a good acorn crop in there that area? Or was there was there food that held deer that made it, or was it just the fact that you were in a in a feature that just funneled deer movement in a generally good area?
0: Yeah, I think it would be the latter. Them, you know, the the feature. Um, I always I still struggle with. You hear so many people talk about like rut funnels and funnels and this that and the other thing, um, and I think it's because I'm always kind of looking too hard for something. Like I'm looking for something very defined. Um, in this case, um, it's easy to go. It's easy to look back now and say I made the right decision because always is. A, yeah, because I killed a deer there. But um, but I think there's been plenty of other times where I would have made the same decision and maybe maybe not have seen anything too off of what I uh, saw. But in this case, as I was walking in, um, there was uh, I was uh, there was a, actually a fresh logging road that I didn't even know about. Um, they actually did a cut, very fresh cut. Not an area I was hunting, but out further. I didn't. I don't even know. I, I would love to go back and explore to see where this cut was. But I'm fresh, fresh. I mean, just like you're walking through it, and your boots are getting five sizes the size of your foot because all the mud is sticking to them. Mm. You know. And through that, that was kind of the way down to this hollow there. And um, throughout that mud, I was catching huge tracks, and um, and there was a lot of rubs around these big tracks too. And I was like, man, I'm not even, I'm not even that far from the truck. I mean, I'm not right next to the parking lot or anything, but I'm not like, I'm not where I wanted to be, but I'm seeing all the sign. I'm thinking, man, this is, do I just set up here? Like there's some fresh big rubs, monster tracks. Like there was a big buck, no doubt within the last 24 hours where I'm standing, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, so I kind of got hung up on that a little bit and, um, I almost wanted to set up there and I actually ended up messaging, uh, Johnny Stewart, uh, not a, not a close friend of mine by any means, but we communicate on the, on Instagram and stuff here and there. And, uh, I kind of just described that, hey, and this isn't where, where I was planning on setting up. I want to get down in this hollow more. There's like good sign here. Like, and he, and he just responds back and says, yeah, but do you think it's an, uh, day, daytime sign? And I'm like, eh, probably not. And <laughs> you know, like, probably not going to catch a mature deer here in the daytime. So I'm like, yeah, keep on walking. So then I got down in, into that, into that hollow. And, um, I wouldn't say it would be a rut funnel at all. It was a really a flat bottom hollow. It was a, is kind of a, kind of a, a point of many or the bottom of many, many big Hills. If you ever hunt a strip country, uh, Ohio, it's just mm-hmm. crazy, crazy terrain. Um, but the trail that I was sitting up over. Was um that whole valley was a few hundred feet wide. It wasn't like it, it wasn't like a V where I was sitting. You know what I'm saying? But the only reason I chose to sit there is because it was like a goat path through the center of this valley. And and when I say center, I'm talking like it's very flat on either side of this dirt path, but it ran down the one side of the hill and then up the other side of the hill into that old cutover. Now that cutover is like. I don't know, probably 10 years old or so. So it's just like filled of whips and stuff like that. You almost can't even penetrate it, you know? So I was hunting the edge of that on a heavy trail going through that valley. Um, I was hitting it, hitting it, sitting on the downwind side of that uh, trail, if you will, um, thinking that they're probably going to come out of that cut and go down that trail. I didn't really have a good reason to why they'd be going over back, Kind of in the direction that i came but obviously it was a heavy trail and a heavy cover in front of me <clears throat> so you know that that was what i based it off of um i didn't want to i i it was quite literally one of those times i was like just don't think too hard about it just just get set up and set up here And i was gonna do a full day sit there and then um 12 o'clock noon a buck came running in um not where i was would expect he was almost like skirting the um side of that cut instead of coming through it he ran in behind me and and what happened is i believe he was smelling the hot dough that was um about 200 yards behind me which i didn't even know was there because i was facing my facing the cut the valley was behind me the trail was to my left of me as i was sitting in my saddle um so he went up and found that hot dough and a buck, um, a little bit bigger than him, and that bigger buck just kept on pushing him off and pushing him off, and then they were kind of, just, just playing grab, grab ace all up on that hill behind me, but you know about, 100, 200 yards away, but I knew in the back of my head that this is like one of their main highways that goes into that, that's called security cover, mm-hmm. and that Joe wasn't, wasn't too pleased with the two bucks loose in there. You know so the the bigger one kept on chasing the little one off and then then the uh bigger one would just book after the doe and they would run a 100 feet that way 100 feet this way you know just typical beautiful rut stuff that you love to see and then before you know before too long i think it was probably about a half hour i watched that kind of activity that doe came right up that trail she wanted to get into that cut over that security cover and um and the buck did almost the same thing It pushed the little one off. He stayed down in that valley. And then, um, and then he actually ended up coming even closer to me than that dirt trail. Because so I was almost about 30 yards off that dirt trail because there wasn't very good trees there to pick from. And he always came up right under me. And I just, and I shot at 10 yards under my tree. I mean, why, why he got let up right under my tree. I was just, by the grace of God, I don't know, but, uh but kind of worked out as I, as, as I planned, I guess you would say, but.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, <clears throat> and it, first of all, I, that's an awesome story. I love the way you approached it. You didn't overthink it. You just went with what you knew and then just enjoyed hunting. I think that's great because so many of us, myself, I'm I'm speaking for myself right now, overthinking it. Like I, I did a, I did a hunt in uh, New Jersey where I was, I was mainly focused on trying to shoot a bear this this okay. year on this on this hunt but I had whitetails in the back of my mind and so many places that I just <clears throat> overthought you know how yeah. do I want to hunt this how do I want to approach this still hunting or stand hunting and and it like sometimes it's like you got to not allow that to consume you or you're just going to drive yourself nuts mentally and just go out and have fun to some degree i mean you want to be strategic and 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 have that game but at the same time you have to accept the fact that the deer are going to do what the deer are going to do and you have to also have a a a little bit of luck get involved um yeah
0: one thing i also um is kind of a cool part of that story too is like where those deer well um you know i always get all kind of uh, stressed about my ground set and stuff like that but like in this case like I wasn't that stressed about it. Cause I was like, what do I got to lose? You know, it's the rut. I got three days. Like, I'm not going to like freak out over that kind of stuff. Well, that doe and that, um, bigger buck that I ended up shooting. And I say bigger buck it was just bigger out of those two. It was probably a two year old eight point. It wasn't anything huge, but nice deer, uh, for sure. But, um, he, um, they came from, they ended up coming from the direction that I came in on and, and most certainly, would have walked over my scent trail now obviously it was the rut they weren't you know so on 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 the cue to smell and human sound on the ground but like that's the kind of stuff that i'll start overthinking and start being like ah, i can't sit up here because i just walked down that trail or something like that now i purposely avoided that heavy trail but i crossed that heavy trail to come up to sit where i was you know so um so just yeah, like you said, sometimes you just get in your in your head and just overthink it too much, you know. You gotta be, you gotta be smart and strategic, but also you can't be like, you gotta know that nothing's ever gonna be perfect. Like, there's gonna be ground sent there, you know. Like, okay, well, if I'm in a good spot, then let's let that be that margin of error in the, in the system, and, and hopefully that doesn't screw them up too bad, you know.
1: And, and I think one thing that we should really highlight here is. How well do you know the piece of public land that you're going in after on the hunts? And and I say this rhetorically because um, it's easy when you're really fresh to an area to have those things over, like, you just completely overthink them because you don't know what what the best situation is as far as bedding to food and where the expected deer movement is so i think that's for me when i drive myself the most nuts is like okay i think this looks the best um is this gonna hurt me if i walk here or not like when you hunt an area repeatedly and you kind of figure out where the better access is over time that's different like like um for me I, i think like when i uh when I go to camp and I'm hunting a new area, like I, I try to turn it off to a degree. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to hunt smart. I'm hunting the wind. I'm hunting this, but yeah. I, I I have to take it as there's a good chance. I'm going to screw something up, but hopefully I've done my due diligence up until this point that I'll still learn something and take it yeah. for the next hunt.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
1: So one, uh, one private land buck this year, one public land buck using some similar tactics. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the stupid social media question mm-hmm. that, that uh, you that so many people would ask on this but it's it's fresh it's relevant We were just talking about social media here before we uh, before we started this but <clears throat> did one of those bucks, one of those two bucks matter more to you? Did the public land buck matter more to you than the private land buck or did the private land buck mean more to you than the public land buck? I know stupid question, but I, I'd be curious to see how, what your, your thoughts are. Cause, cause you know that rabbit hole we could go down.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good question. Um, man, they were both such cool hunts and I hope I didn't downplay them at all by like telling my story. I've told it. um, uh, I was talking to Char- Charlie the other day, like just, just kind of told all this stuff. So like, hopefully, I had the same amount of enthusiasm and stuff like that. I don't want the audience to think that, like, oh man, he didn't even sound like he was that was thrilled about that. I was absolutely thrilled about uh, both these deer. I mean, it, crazy. I mean, I feel like I did a lot of things right, but also, like I said, like you said, luck's got to be on your side. It always, always is with deer hunting. Um,
1: Unless you're Johnny but, Stewart, he doesn't believe in luck. <laughs> yeah yeah well he's a heck of
0: a woodsman too he is but um he just runs him down though he's just been chasing him down this week <laughs> yeah i but um i would say um just to answer your question i'll kind of break it down a little bit more uh the big the big buck that i killed at my home farm meant more to me um because i put in so much energy and time um and thought into into hunting this property this year um but Ohio was just so cool because um, I just went in there, uh, not taking it too seriously, um, just just used my "quote unquote" woodsman skills, and um, and and it just it it worked out perfectly. Again, luck totally was on my side there too. But um, I don't know. I, my buddy asked me in the beginning of a year before I killed my my deer. He said almost the same question. You said. Um, he said would you rather kill 150 on po- private or 100 inch deer on public and I told him 150 inch deer on private <laughs> because 100 inch deer uh is uh is I feel like pretty attainable I think if you if you put in some work you can kill 100 inch deer now if it was a uh, 150 on private and 130 on public I don't know I, I, I it it depends it all depends on the hunt you know what i'm saying like i would my standards are not as high as they will be here on my private land when i go and hunt on these public pieces and um and not saying i'll i'll like i probably would, all that to say that i probably would shoot 100 100 inch 110 inch buck on these um uh public land hunts that i go on just because such an adventure mm-hmm. like it, it's just really, you get to pack your deer out you you just like it's you're, you're in the middle of nowhere it's just you're just it's a, a lot goes into that too so that that can be really special as well um so i don't know i don't know if that helped answer i don't know if that answered your question or not but in my case this big this big buck i killed in my home farm was pretty special my first time here and uh obviously the biggest block in the neighborhood,
1: probably too. It, it absolutely answers my question, but it's one of those things where you can go on and on forever about it. I mean, yeah, because like that whole rhetorical would you rather 150 on private or 100 inch on public? Like, I'm, I'm gonna be the first to say there's a lot of people who talk big that I would rather shoot 100 inch deer on public than 150 inch deer on private land, but mm-hmm. like we're speaking so rhetorically like you cannot put yourself into that situation and really understand or know what it's like. And I, I actually don't know how many of those people know how big 150 inch deer is. Like, yeah. like if you truly put yourself in those shoes and those situations that you could actually know and experience it, I would really like to then ask that same question. And say, would you still rather shoot that 110, 100 inch deer on public versus 150? I mean, right. that's just kind of a little bit of a rant, but we yeah. kind of, I kind of go back to what we we're saying before and what you were alluding to on your public. It's there's more to it than the size of the antlers the size oh, yeah. of the antlers are awesome but <clears throat> the the pursuit of your 150 50 on private land there is a different story to that that led up to that that makes it just as gratifying as yeah. the 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 story leading to your 100 inch deer on on public land and at the end of the day we can all make justifications and come up with all these philosophies and at the end of the day i'm still going to do what i want to do and if yeah. if troy doesn't like it that's fine. Troy doesn't have to like it, but it's what mm-hmm. I want to do. It what makes me happy and vice versa. And, and that's just open-ended. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm just amazed at how much of the, the back and forth finger pointing we get amongst guys. And I mean, it's healthy to a degree because uh, competition is, is healthy. It makes you a better person to agree, but it can also bring out the worst in you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, for me it all, revolves around the experience, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, I, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm not the kind of guy that's, uh, you know, if, if you want to, if you want to say I'm going to hold out for a big buck this year and then end of November rolls around and you decide to shoot a smaller buck dude, go for it. <laughs> like, like whatever, like whatever makes you happy, you know what I'm saying? But, but it's all about the experience. So like, there's so many ways you could for- put that question. Would I rather shoot a, uh, 120 inch buck with a rifle during a deer drive on public land like or a private private uh 140 or something like that you know what i'm saying like
1: absolutely like that's
0: that's way different to me i'm like we don't have to answer that question but that's way different to me than than um then you just can't you just can't neck it down and it's so so
1: situational you know exactly that's you answered you said the perfect words it's so situational and it's different for everybody yeah you know we get into the 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 private land deer hunting and the 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 deer shaming or the size of this and the justifications like it's different for everybody my my antler standards where i hunt are different than yours and guess what it's okay if they're different. It doesn't matter that they're different. It right. it, it doesn't. And, and as long as I don't impose what I want on you and vice versa, we can live our lives and do our, our things hunting. Like it's just, it's just yeah. amazing to me how much uh, BS there goes on in, in, in that area right now. And I don't know if it's just because of social media. I don't know if it's because of just what the hunting industry has done for the last umpteen years in in video hunting I I don't know what it is I don't know if it's just human nature
0: yep yep yeah I know it's crazy it's um it's 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 always situation like like I killed that big one this year but next year I'm going back to my goal of hopefully trying to just kill a three or four year old in my house here you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to As much as we'd like to think it, you can't you can't hold deer or manage deer too well on 50 acres when you have your neighbors that hunt too. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the deer that was on my property this year, uh, a lot got killed three and a half miles from here, which is crazy because it's pretty you know residential. It's not like the mountains where they can just run a run a mountain out three and a half miles. It's these crossing major roads, so it's like you know you just never know. So just just hunt and do what makes you happy. You know. It's, it's all That's all there is to it
1: yeah it's like we said a few weeks ago with uh the jeremy and dimitri from antler Up podcast just uh cut the crap and enjoy the hunt
0: yeah exactly
1: but exactly. uh man hey i've uh, i've really enjoyed this conversation i really appreciate you sharing your sharing your story sharing hunt, hunting experiences this year um sharing this philosophy and most importantly i, I was i'm really i um, really honored for you to share, uh, share your faith story with us in the beginning of this and, and how much that means. So um, again, thanks for hopping on. Um, sure. Thanks. You uh, thank you for being so uh, uh, forthright in all that because that's, that's big because at the end of the day, man, we get fired up about white tails, We get fired up about hunting, but there's a lot bigger things to talk about than, uh, than that.
0: Yeah, I know we um we didn't even discuss about even even going there with this podcast. So um, yeah, I know that was a little little uh, maybe surprising to some people. So it was surprising
1: to us too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way it's led. But hey, um, anything you want to leave us with?
0: Yeah, no, not not much. Um, hopefully, I'll have a couple videos. Co- I'll have that Ohio Buck on video. So that'll will that I'll, I'll try to post that within the next couple weeks here, and. Um, I'll probably try to put together the bits and pieces video of my uh, big buck kill. But as I disclosed earlier, <laughs> get it on film. But I did film like the recovery and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I'll probably try to put something together for that rather um, than that. Yeah, just enjoy it. Have fun. Enjoy God's creation. You know, if you don't uh, if you uh, think you think you're a little bit lost and maybe looking for something, maybe maybe reach out if you're hearing this and uh, maybe me or Mitch can help lead you in the right direction.
1: Absolutely. You know I've said that before, you know, you, anybody can reach out to me, um, you know, social media or email. Um, Troy, if people want to follow along with you, what's a, what's a good way to follow along or is that going to continue uh, based on what we were <laughs> talking about earlier?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can follow me at DTRX underscore outfitters. Um, that's just a play on my last name, Dietrichs. Um, but anyway, I have a little at home bow shop and work on some bows and stuff like that. So that's what that account started as. I don't do any outfitted hunts or anything like that. Um, but you can follow me there. That's my same handle on uh, YouTube as well. Um, but I'll probably be getting off uh, Instagram and Facebook here shortly. I run a, a big buck contest as well. We didn't talk about that, but during the, uh, during the The hunting season. So once we put that uh, all to bed and get the last uh, final raffles done, then I'll probably be off social media here for a while. But um, maybe I'll try to check my messages just in case anyone tunes into
1: this here. But absolutely, uh,
0: just just enjoy it, you know.
1: Yeah, we we didn't talk about that big buck contest because we didn't want to mention that it's rigged. Troy just shoots the big ones on his place now.
0: (laughs) I got got second place, and the first place was a public land buck. Nice, one hundred fifty-five
1: something changed nice nice nice. what did your score by the way Uh, 153 and some change that's a heck of a deer I
0: know heck of a deer it was incredible
1: yeah good deal hey let's wrap this up man thanks again yep
0: no problem